we played Chesterfield in a pre-season friendly while I was at Burnley. Hmm. And obviously Sean's on the touchline. And he come up to me after on a Monday or something like that. And he says, right back at Chesterfield, Tendai Dariqua. I went, oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen him. He was a young player here. They never I went through his history. He went, yeah, he says, I'm signing him. <laughs> I went, right, okay. I went, why? He went, because he played in front of me on Saturday and he was up, down, up, down, up, down, pace quick, tackle, got forward, got crosses in. He said, I just think he's perfect for us. <laughs> Sometimes managers, you just have to go with it, don't you? Hello, Happy New Year. Uh, I'm Dave, welcome to Legends of the Spire. I'm recording this the day after the uh, trip to Watford, uh, which was obviously great, great fun. And on the back of that Solihull comeback win as well, um, 2024, kicking off well. Uh, hopefully it's gonna be a big year for us. Uh, I am back with another uh, Legends of the Spire interview. This is number 80. Uh, so amazing that I'm still doing these after quite a few years now, but I am planning to get to 100. So hopefully we can do it this year. We'll see what happens. They are getting a little bit more infrequent, probably once a month rather than once a week. That's just the availability of people to talk to. Uh, life is going full throttle again uh, in those years after COVID. So a little bit harder sometimes to find dates that match, uh, but I've got a few more lined up. So hopefully more on the horizon. Today, I had a chat with Glyn Chamberlain. Now Glyn was uh, Chesterfield born and bred part of the Chesterfield squad in the late 1970s, early 1980s under Arthur Cox. Uh, a defender by trade, also did a little bit in midfield as well. And after his spell at Chesterfield, went on to have a career at places like Halifax um, and then a really long uh, non-league career too. He ended up doing bits of coaching, uh, management at places like Newcastle Town and Congleton and then actually ended up as a scout. Uh, he had a long, long time at Fulham, but has also worked at clubs like Cardiff and Blackburn and is now at Derby. So has worked with managers like Neil Warnock, uh, Jean Tagana uh, when he was at Fulham and now with Paul Warren at Derby, where he's working alongside Jonathan Howard, another former Spyrite legend. He had a chat with me uh, about his Chesterfield career and then subsequent career after leaving Chesterfield. And then we had a long chat about scouting just because I find it all really interesting. Uh, so I was able to pick his brains about how things have changed over the years and how you go about being a scout in the game. As always, I am on YouTube and podcast platforms. So just search, search for Legends of the Spire uh, on there. You'll, you'll find us and Spire Legends as well. Um, there'll also be a link in the information, which has got all the links to the various places that you can listen to. And there's also the new fanzine out I'm working on a few little additions and things like that as well, so keep your eye out for them. And thank you if you have um, supported me either just with uh, watching or listening to uh, any of the podcasts. If you've ever said nice words or anything like that, thank you so much. I do appreciate it. And anyone that buys the fanzine or has ever bought any artwork or bobble hats or scarves or things like that, thanks very much. It's just really fun to do. Um, at the Christmas, we managed to raise some money for uh, both Save the Children and there's uh, also a donation to the um, community trust going through for the calendar sales that we've had over Christmas too. But I'll start waffling on. We are back with another interview. Uh, this is Legends of the Spy number 80 with Glenn Chamberlain. Here we go. Legends of the 
I was having a look. Uh, I always have a little scour at like forums and things like that before I start yeah. just to see uh, where your name's cropped up over the years and stuff. And I yeah. saw that there was a, um, a an article from a few years ago where people had tried to put together their Chesterfield 11 of people born from Chesterfield. Right. <laughs> that played for Chesterfield, which you appeared in. So you obviously grew up in the town, didn't you? Yeah, I was born and bred in Chesterfield. I remember living as a young boy. I remember living down in Tapton Terrace, which is just down by the railway station. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I can remember, obviously it's going back a long time, I can remember my dad got a job at Stavely Works. Mm-hmm. So we moved to Hollingwood, which was our, which was my home right the way through to leaving school. Yeah. So um, we, we were, So when did you start kind of taking an interest in football? And was, um, was it Chesterfield or was it another team? No, it was Chesterfield, to be fair. Uh, there was no history of football in the family, as far, apart from local football type thing. There was no history of professional football. But I always rem- I can remember going to Saltergate, or it was called the Rec at, at that time, uh, short for the Recreation Ground. I can remember going to Chesterfield fairly early with what was called my uncle, who lived next door to us in Tapton Terrace. They were Chesterfield supporters. And I can remember going, and I would I would imagine, it's, it's like anything else, you just got that little bug at, at probably seven or eight or eight years old, nine years old. So I can remember going quite early. Can't remember too much about the games, but I can remember the stadium. Hmm. Um, and my my first real um, memories of, of is when we won the title in 68, 69. Yeah, I was going to say, you'd have been about, what, what, about 10 or something like that then, would you? Yeah, something like that. Because I can remember that team, and I still speak to some of them today. Like hmm. um, I can remember... I can remember the team, David Pugh, Kevin Randall, Tom Fennerty, Albert Holmes, John Archer, Alan Stevenson, Roy Hickton. Um, that's when it sort of, that's when you sort of got into it, really. And mm. I can remember we used to go to most games at home and we actually went to some, quite a few away games that season. Um, we used to go, we used to have a special train for places like Barnsley and Rotherham and Sheffield, the Sheffield Club or Doncaster. And they used to take good, a good following of supporters. So it was always a, you know, for a 10-year-old, it was a fantastic time to be involved in a team that were well, that good we were a top of the league. Mm-hmm. Where, where did you, where did you like, stand uh, when you went to I matches? Think, I, think we're, I think we're in posh seats in Cross Street End. <laughs> yeah, season ticket. I think we had a season ticket, if I remember right. Yeah. Um, I have occasionally stood on, what was, what was the far side called? What was the far yeah, side yeah. called? The Cross, Street. Cross Street. Cross Street, uh, was oh, it? Yeah, Compton Street alongside the... Opposite yeah. the main stand, and then I remember we was across the dugouts. Mm. I remember standing up there a few times, and it was in days where you could walk round. Um, yeah. If we kicked one half one way, we could walk round and watch from back of the goal. Then we could walk round back to Cotton, past the opposing fans, and of course it can't be done nowadays, can it? Um, I can remember doing that, and of course when you're ten year old, and you've probably got five or six thousand in, and more sometimes it's sent an enormous crowd. Mm. Yeah. I've said it. I've said it plenty of times before. But I also always remember talking to Bob Wilson, and he was talking about watching Gordon Banks in net for Chesterfield, and he'd, yeah. he'd stand behind Gordon Banks watching him, and then at half time, obviously move around, around to the other the side end. and watch him again. Yeah, yeah, to do it was it, fantastic. Yeah, I, I can remember one game when we played. Uh, I can't remember what division we played. Aston Villa, and they absolutely flooded the the stadium and like took all over both ends, long side and everything, and took. You had to walk past them if you wanted to. Wanted to change ends at half time and like your life were in your hands. <laughs> really were. No. Yeah. So so you ended up at were you a youth player at Burnley then? How Yeah. How did, I that was, uh, it, how did it come about? The, the, there was a an ex player at Chesterfield who was probably our record uh, appearance holder called Dave Blakey. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And he was a boy, he was the chief scout at Burnley. Um, so when I was 12, I went to some, I used to train in Chesterfield, at Chesterfield Tube Works with some local boys and local players. Um, and I used to play, I played for Chesterfield boys, obviously, and I played for Derbyshire boys. Um, and me and a lad called Terry Pashley, who's also from uh, from Chesterfield, we um, we signed schoolboy forms at 12 years, eight, 12 years old, which allowed you to go up to Burnley in the school holidays to train. Mm-hmm. At 12 years old, you, you sort of monitored, and at 15, I got an apprenticeship. So I actually left Stavely Middlecroft School a, a month before I was 15 wow. uh, and went went up to Burnley to, to start my apprenticeship, mm. which was in the pre-season. I didn't see a football for a month. I painted everything claret blue, cleaned <laughs> up, swept up, blue footballs up, polished boots, uh, swept the stands, tied it up, maintenance man, lined the pitches, cut the grass. We did everything for a month by train. And then when pre-season started, we were all thrown in it together. Which was, uh, you know, we were, in, we were in the we were in the second division then, the old second division championship now, mm-hmm. but they won promotion that first season to get back into the first division, um, with obviously a squad of players like Leighton James, Dave Thomas, Martin Dobson, people like that. Probably some people that they won't remember on here now, but mm-hmm. but good players, good players, and it's a good good football club, Burnley. Still is to this day, good football club. Yeah, yeah. There's quite a lot of connections, isn't there? Even. I mean, over the years, a few years ago, there's been lo- there's been loads of ex yeah. players, isn't there, at Burnley? That's right. Well, when I was there as a young player, we had uh, a good pal of mine, Ronnie Welsh, was was a pro up there. Ian Brennan, who came from Tapton, was a player up there. Uh, me and Terry Pashley went together, so there was there was four of us. Alan Stevenson, who we actually bought from Chesterfield as a goalkeeper, yeah. so we could fill a car going back and forward to come <laughs> home at weekends. There was no problem with that. No problem. <laughs> Was that good fun then, uh, if, oh, if you're a young teenager? Uh, yeah, but yeah. I've always said, to be fair, whatever I've done and whatever clubs I've been at, 15 to 17 when you're an apprentice on £6.40 a week, I think it mm-hmm. was, and six quid for your landlady who you lived in digs with, was fantastic. Like, yeah. cause we, we would play, we would train all week, we'd play in the A team or the B team on a Saturday morning, see what were happening in the afternoon where some of the senior players were, get a lift home to Chesterfield, be home for half past six, spend the weekend at home and back to Burnley again on Monday morning at half eight, quarter nine. So we had the best of both worlds. After the after I'd been in the B team for about a season, three quarter of a season, I went into the old Central League team. Mm-hmm. What used to happen then is is um, the first team centre-half got injured, so the reserve team centre-half stepped up and the A-team centre-half stepped up, or right back or whatever it be, stepped up to play in the Central League. Mm-hmm. So and in, within a year and a bit, I'd gone from a uh, young kid, schoolboy, like, to playing Liverpool reserves at Anfield and Man United reserves at Old Trafford <laughs> and Everton reserves at Goodison. All right, there's only two, two and a half, three thousand people there, but the experience of playing against some senior pros and playing at them stadiums were absolutely fantastic. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I've I've spoken to a few players before talking about how competitive that uh, that league was and how you'd yeah. get these big names just kind of Massive. appearing in the in the. In the well, team. different to today because if you weren't in the first team in them days, you played in the reserves hmm. in the central league team. So there, there was no like squad rotation or we'll hold you back for two weeks while you have a breather. You played. So yeah. when I played against Wolves at Wolves, there was Derek Dugan and Alec Lindsay, Ray Kennedy at Liverpool. Peter Lorimer at Leeds, you know, and you were playing against these types of players. Um, fantastic learning experience. Fantastic. Did you have to? Did you have to kind of stop yourself from 
staring at them on the pitch or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, you do. You, you'd seen them on Match of the Day two weeks earlier when you were watching Match of the Day on a Saturday night. And then suddenly you're playing at Molyneux or, or Everton or whatever it be, Sunderland, Newcastle, Coventry, all big clubs, all big stadiums. Yeah, yeah. All right. It would have been better to play there in a proper game in front of a full house. But, you know, you're still... I think the biggest crowd we had uh, when I was a Burnley player, we were away at Manchester United one one Wednesday night and they were collecting vouchers for European games. So I think that's like 10,000 in Old Trafford for a Central yeah, League yeah. game. So, yeah, all, great experience. Mm. Great experience. And then you ended up coming back to Chesterfield then. So were you about 18 then when you... I think uh, I were, yeah. I've been, I've, since you rang me to do this interview, I've been trying to jot some dates down. Like, this is 77. I, I was wondering, was it was that... Because obviously that, that was when we had the change, didn't we, from... Joe Shaw to Arthur Cox. So who yeah. was the who was I the was, who um, did you who was there when you came in? It was Arthur, to be fair. Oh, okay. I think Arthur had only been there about a month or two months or something like that. And I was uh, I was at training one morning at Burnley, and the assistant manager was a great fella called Joe Brown. Come up to me and said, "You're going to Chesterfield for a month, right? On, on like on loan." Um, oh, all oh, right. There was no like negotiations or anything like that. If the manager said you were going, you went full stop. Yeah. Um, and I thought, oh, that's all right, good club. I'm going home. I'll enjoy that. It wasn't actually a loan. What later on in life, when you put two and two together, you realise that your Burnley career is not going as far as you thought it was going to go. And they're trying to help you get fixed up for a career in somewhere else. Sure. Yeah. So I went down to I went down to Chesterfield and obviously I drove to the old the old stadium on the Thursday morning and met Arthur and Frank Barlow for the first time. And we went to a place in Eckington called Pitt Street, where we used to train at which was, even in them days, horrendous. <laughs> Absolutely horrendous. It was a prefab building with one pitch, which was four, five inches of mud. Um, real poor facilities, but yet you just had to get on with it, didn't you? Mm -hmm. And I'd been watching Chesterfield in my spare. In the weekends I weren't playing, or week, weekdays at home, I'd been watching Chesterfield. I'd still go and watch Chesterfield at home. So suddenly I'm playing and tackling Rod Fern and Malcolm Darling and Andy Kowalski and John Cotton and Sean O'Neill. So, all right, this is all right, isn't it? I quite, I quite enjoyed it. Quite enjoyed it. It was, it was good. It was a, the first part of my Chesterfield time was a, a good, as it panned out, I needed to leave to play first team football mm -hmm. somewhere else. But the, yeah. certainly a good football club. Certainly yeah. a good football club. And, and uh, quite a few people talked about how Arthur Cox was kind of a bit of a, a tracksuit manager before you had tracksuit managers? Yeah. I think a few yeah. people have, have said before. What? How did you find him? Um, I'd come from a football club where there were the best facilities. The training ground at the time was the best facilities. And then we got to somewhere where the facilities are next to now. And mm. the kit was ancient and uh, you had to take it on to wash it, which was strange to me because everything was done in a laundry at Burnley. Mm. So you had to, you had to um, grasp what level we were at. Arthur... Arthur was fine with me, to be fair. Um, the, the first message I got of Jimmy Adamson at Burnley when I said when he said I was going on loan, he says, Arthur Cox was at Chesterfield and he saw you play at Huddersfield in the reserves the other week. So that was the bit of a link, along with Dave Blakey. Um, Arthur was like, I think he thought he was James Cagney, if you can remember him. <laughs> right? He was, he, was, he was straight. He was... Uh, infectious he was mad on fitness you had to be fit you had to be able to run he was enthusiastic um it was his i think that was his first sole manager's job 
So obviously he made some mistakes, which he later on in life he's gone on to great. He went on to good things, onto better things. I find him, I find him okay, unless I wasn't in the team. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, and I've heard about the legendary uh, runs over Kerber and uh, oh yeah, and, and yeah. things like that. Where, where where were you in terms of the in terms of the gang? Were you near the front or near the back? Near the back, <laughs> near the back. First week, first time I did it, we went up Kerber. There's a foot of snow, and the sheep. It was so cold. The sheep had got scarves on. It was so cold up there on a Friday <laughs> morning, and I can remember I was running, and I was with Eric Wynn Stanley, the big centre half. He used to play a mm-hmm. signing from Barnsley, and like I says, Eric, it's Friday tomorrow. We're playing tomorrow. Why are we? You know, y- your ankles and your knees were at at um, risk of being knocked out of place, falling over stones, falling in snow and everything. He went, he does it every Friday. We do it every Friday. And like, you had a certain time, I think, to run it in um, 17, 20 minutes or something like that. It was always difficult for me to get in. I know that because I went a great runner. <laughs> I've heard of the, I think it was uh, Steve Grizovich who you all have. You Oggy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, same time with he was He was talking, I wouldn't say in fun terms, <laughs> running those, <laughs> no, uh, doing those, no. those runs, but... Uh, but yeah. When you look when you look back now and think how training's moved on in terms of preparation and analysis and that, it was like it was archaic, but it was what we did at the time. Well, yeah, that's, I suppose. I mean, that was another thing. Um, Augie was talking about was you know getting balls pelted at him on the halfway line at, at yeah. the rec and the rest yeah. of the squad running rats around the pitch at the running same time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It were it were. <laughs> and obviously, there were some outstanding athletes in the team. I mean, mm-hmm. Phil Tingey could run for his country. Ernie was absolutely unbelievable as a runner. Um, Kowalski could run. Um, so there was there was always somebody who were like 15 to 20 minutes in front of you, you know? Yeah. There was always someone who was behind you, but <laughs> there was a lot in front of you. <laughs> was it was it Andy Kowalski that was talking about how uh, Ernie Moss was always a little bit behind him? He always used to go, <clears throat> used to give a little cough, just as much to say I'm... I'm I'm right behind I'm you. <laughs> I'm here. I'm right behind you. Yeah. 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 Walker, who's been Chesterfield. Good service this afternoon. And the miscue that lets in Moss. And that's one nearer the record. So you made your debut then um, against Portsmouth, I think it was. Yeah, that's right. I- I'd been at uh, I'd been at the club about ten days I think, and on the I think the Saturday before that game, I was watching I was in the squad but watching the game, and a guy called Len Badger who played right back broke his leg. I think it was mm. Preston at home I think if I remember right. Len Badger was a hell of a player and a hell of a person, um, and he broke his leg. I think Len be about 32, 33, something like that. So mm. on the Monday or the Tuesday, Arthur called me in and he just went, "Are you ready?" And I went, "Well, yeah, I think so." Right, okay. And he didn't say anything. That were it then. I didn't know anything else until until I got to the ground at Saturday at half past one, what a time it were and that. And he and he named me in the team. Um and I always think your debut is quite quite easy mm-hmm. because you're pumped up for it. So I, I thought I was all right in the game. I've got some newspaper clippings of people said you did okay and you were all right and a good prospect, usual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stayed in at right back for a couple more games till we went to Swindon and I got absolutely tortured by a winger called David Moss who actually is chief scout of Luton Town now so when I sit next to him in stadiums up and down the country I'll generally say to him this is the closest I ever got to you mate because you were so quick it run through (laughs) so I come out of the team 
for a couple. I'd come out of the team and I flirted in and out as a midfield player, which I'd not done before. But Arthur's idea to play me in midfield. Um, I had a few good results and a few um, runs here and there and wins. Um, and then we came into that era where we spent quite a lot of money mm-hmm. on people like Phil Bonneman and Danny, John Sturk, uh, Bill Green, John Ridley. So the team was strengthened and I, I couldn't get anywhere near it. Yeah. Near it. yeah. So, what what kind of describe yourself as a player then? Um, of the years, how did it how did it start and then how did it change? As you, because I, I was looking at the at the the list of lineups and things that we have, and I noticed that your kind of your number changed yeah. quite a lot, which suggested you probably moved around position a bit. Well, yeah. I um, when I was when I was a younger at Burnley, I I actually went as a midfield player. But they turned me into a right back, left back, or even even though I was only five foot nine, five foot ten, centre back. Believe it or not, so I played all my central league stuff at, uh, and youth team stuff as a as a back four player. Really, mm-hmm. um, it's only when I came to Chesterfield that Arthur pulled me in one day saying, "I'm going to play you in midfield," and I actually played in midfield with Billy Dayton. Mm-hmm. Me and Billy Dayton played as a central two in midfield. Um, I didn't particularly think that was for me, actually. Um, but that's what if that's what the manager wanted, that's what you did in them days. There was no like real negotiation or discussions about it. If somebody said you're playing number two or number eight, number ten, you played it. Yeah, yeah. End of. So I got transformed at Chesterfield into a midfield player. When I went to Halifax, I played in midfield for about seven or eight games, but got went straight back to right back. So I've basically played right back, left back, centre back, um, throughout my career, really, all in non-league. Mm-hmm. Describe myself as a player. I could pass it. I could win it. I could edit. I never had any pace. I never had any pace. I always make a joke that um, running, my running let me down. First of all, I couldn't run quickly. And secondly, I couldn't run far. So <laughs> it wasn't a great combination, that was it. <laughs> so, but playing was all right. Yeah, brilliant. And which yeah. players, which players kind of around that squad then over that time were the ones that you had a you were kind of good mates with or had a good relationship with on and off the pitch? It was a good squad, to be fair. It's not that we had a two mates here and there. I can remember, like, I mean, Badger was a phenomenal player at Sheffield United in England. Rodney Fern was a, a player, wasn't he, at Chesterfield, who'd uh, done things higher up. Malcolm Darling was a good player. Andy Kowalski was a good player. Kenny Burton, left back. Sean O'Neill, how many hundred games for Chesterfield, was a good player. Oggy played in goals. Phil Tingey was a good goalkeeper. So we had a, we had a, Tight knit squad and and they were good characters more than anything they were good char- good players but more than anything good characters to be fair yeah yeah you need yeah. a good you need a good uh, atmosphere amongst the squad don't you so you can if you don't have, have it you're not successful if you yeah. don't have it you're not successful it doesn't matter what level you're at mm-hmm. yeah, the, the further the further I've gone down in the line in coaching and dressing rooms and things like that the dressing rooms that Warnock's had and Sean Dyche and that it's it's absolutely crucial crucial yeah. 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 And from speaking to players, that's the a lot of the time it's the first thing they mention. Uh, if you talk about successful periods at a club, it's oh the dressing room was really good. Good dressing rooms, yeah, yeah. It doesn't sound a lot, but it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose it's like anyone that works in any other industry any elsewhere, industry. isn't it? If you had a yeah. good squad of people that together, you're working you? with, then you could do anything. So I noticed you. It was like your second season with us. So in that, um, in that first season i think we finished about 18th something like that so it was um yeah. and then, and then the second season um you actually played 
we finished ninth. You you had quite a run of games, didn't you, at that second season? I think you, I think I, looking you back, had about I think fifteen so, games yeah. in a row, something like that. Something I think. like that, yeah. But uh, what used to frustrate me is when everybody was fit again. I was the first one out of the team, mm. right? So that used to be my beef with Arthur, to be fair. And he used to have to try and placate me at some point, and and Frank did to a certain extent as well. Um, I just wanted to be in the. Obviously, I'm a local lad as well, and mm. you're a professional, so you want to be playing, don't you? Um, yeah. But after that first season, second season, I should say, that is, is that the season when we came into money or when we spent money? Yes, it was like the 70... There or thereabouts. Yeah, 77, 78 season, wasn't it? That's yeah. when a lot of them, that's when Bonnyman and... Uh, when a lot like of money got pumped. I mean, we never... Into... While I'd been a Chessville fan, I don't think we'd ever... I don't think we'd ever um, spent any more than like two grand, five grand, ten grand or something like that. Then suddenly we got... 100 here and 40 here and 40 more somewhere else and that we spent quite a lot of money didn't we yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and both good players there was no doubt about it they were good players and good characters like we've spoken of um, and that's what took them on a onto that run really what nearly got us up mm, yeah I was I was looking at that run of games that you uh, played in like I say it was about 14-15 games I think and there was right. a few few games around them, like there was a 2-2 draw at Hillsborough and there was uh, kind of things like that happening at the time, which which kind of games stood out for you as ones that you enjoyed. My, my, obviously, my debut stood stood out. Um, I can I can remember that as plain as anything. And I can remember the game. I can remember the day. I can remember going down at the Royal Hospital after the game, two stitches in the back of my head with Chris Kamara, who played for Portsmouth on that day. We both got a couple of stitches in the back of our heads. Um, the games when I had a bit of a run. I remember us beating Oxford at home. I think three nil. Which was a good game. I remember. I remember the two-two with Sheffield Wednesday at home, mm-hmm. because the referee were absolutely terrified of the Sheffield people coming on the pitch. Because I think we'd gone two-nil up, and they pulled it back to two-two, mm-hmm. and he were worried to death they were going to make it three-two, and there'd been a pitch invasion. Um, I remember the Wednesday game, yeah, um, winning away at Bradford City, I think, in one game when I played in. Shrewsbury away when we had a little bit of a battle with a lad called Sammy Irvine. Um, yeah, I can, I can remember bits and bobs of. I can't remember them start yeah. to finish, obviously, but I can remember, you know, if we got results here and there. Mm. Did you quite like the battles on the pitch then? Yeah, I did actually. I did. I like the I, I like the physical side of it because I had to do that because of my lack of pace or my lack of being able to run. Um, so I, I always felt as if I could compete and could hold my own in in, in duels type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And you mentioned yeah. kind of at that time then there was kind of money coming in and they were started going out and getting these um, bigger name players and things like that. Did that change the did that change the the dressing room or anything like that at the time? Or no, not really. It, I wouldn't say it would because certain players left because obviously players come in, players have to leave. Um, it was always a good dressing room when I were there. Uh, as I say, from my own my own frustration part of it is that you, I weren't in the team often enough. Mm-hmm. And it don't matter who you sign, or it don't matter who comes in. You want to be playing, don't you? As an individual, you want to be playing. So um, I got left behind a wee bit, to be fair, for a, quite a lengthy spell. I always had, I don't, I'd had four or five offers of moving, but Arthur would never let me go because he said you're part of the squad and you're a squad player. And there's always a contract here for you while I'm here and that sort of thing, which is fine. But I wanted to play, yeah. so you know, when it came to the end of the contract at the time, I had an offer off. Uh, Hull City, York City, where Kev Kev was assistant manager, Kev Randall was assistant manager, uh, Lincoln, we call him Murphy, 
um, and he ended up at Halifax. On the hour, Colin Tart scored his second goal of the night with a right foot shot there from the edge of the box, 3-3. But Charlton got their noses in front again through Robinson at 4-3. Chesterfield then equalised for the third time in the evening with a header there by Walker. But the final word was with Charlton. There was a little bit of a doubt about whether their fifth goal was offside, but you'll see here as the ball comes forward, the referee on the right-hand side of the picture is well-placed, rules no offside, Peacock goes through to score, and round off a truly amazing night. Arthur Cox had gone, hadn't he, in like 79, 80 season, yeah. and then um, Frank Barlow had taken over for a period yeah. when you were at the club. Yeah. Um, so was it that then when it came to kind of moving clubs, was it, like you say, you had a bit of choice of, of places to go? What what made Halifax kind of stand out? Excuse me. Well, in them days, you used to get notified by letter from the board of directors whether they were going to give you another contract or not. Hmm. So actually, on the let's say on the 30th of the last month of the season, you waited for an envelope to drop through the front door to tell you you were going to get reinstated or whether you got a free transfer. Well, obviously, Frank had tipped me off to say that, you know, you won't be getting your contract with you. Fine. So then you had to start the process of trying to find the club yourself. There's no football agents or anything like that. So I went to Hull to meet Mike Smith um, and they went into administration so they couldn't sign any players. I went to meet Barry Lyons and Kev at York. I went to meet Colin Murphy at Lincoln. Well, the first, to be fair, the first uh, club that put a contract in front of me was Mickey Bullock at Halifax Town. Mm-hmm. Now, we're always in bottom four. We're always in that that bottom six of the fourth division. But again, fantastic dressing room full of lads. Really enjoyed it. It was just that the fact that every other month they sent to, they were going to be put up for sale because they couldn't afford to pay wages or mm-hmm. lack of crowds. And they were more at the speedway than what they were at the football. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was tough financially. But I got what I wanted because I played the first thirty five games straight off in a row before I broke some bones in my foot at Bradford City one afternoon and that knocked the season off for me. I missed the last 11 fixes. Um, and at the time, I was married, living in Chesterfield. We'd got our Richard, my first my first lad. They were always up for sale, Halifax. And it was like, what do we do here, you know? And I had an offer off Kettering to go in the conference, which was the first year the conference was formed. Um, so I accepted that, to be fair. Mm-hmm. I accepted that. What made me choose Halifax? If I'm honest, they were the only one who put a contract in front of me straight away. The other three were talking about it, but Halifax put put a deal in front of me. So you have to look after yourself and your family and you have to sign. Yeah, and I've spoken to loads of players where they talk about how, um, you know, priorities kind of change as as you, as you get older, you get a family and you uh, yeah. start to, yeah. you know, you do have to start thinking about, uh, where you're going and yeah. uh, actually having a contract, don't you? And having a wage. Of course you do. Day. Of course you do, because that's what puts food on the table and pays for the, the roof over your head. Mm. Yeah. So, but I, I, again, you know, you can look at Halifax Town. It was a small club in the football league, but we travelled everywhere first class. We had club suits. It was a, a good squad of players. It was a good dressing room. I made some great friends that I'm still in touch with today. Bobby Davison, people like that, Stephen Wood. Um Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. On towards Ward. And it'll be turned back into the middle. And Graham's shot has gone in. Halifax take the lead. The scorer, Tommy Graham. So so going into the conference then, what was it like? Um, 
back in those days, kind of uh, as they were just starting up that conference setup? It was a real eye-opener, the conference, when I first joined. I think the conference was formed basically of 10 clubs from Southern Prem and 10 clubs from Northern Prem. Hmm. They were all big football clubs, good football clubs. Altrincham were a powerful outfit at the time. Wheelstone, Enfield, people like that. So there's a hell of a lot of travelling in it, to be fair. It was still a yeah. full-time league. It was a full-time league and there were some good players in it. When I first went to Ketchum, it was from a manager who was actually born in, I think he come from Barbara, I think, a lad called Jim Condy. Anyway, he, he, he soon got the site. We brought Don Masson in, you know, the Notts County Scotland player. Uh, and he brought Dave Needham in with him, Forrest in England. And he brought Eddie Kelly with him and Adi, uh, Arthur Mann. So we had some unbelievably experienced players, professional players to play with. Mm-hmm. And we were getting gates of two and a half, three, three and a half thousand people at, at Kettering versus Boston, Kettering versus Scarborough, Scarborough Kettering. We were getting good crowds. So I, again, first season, I think I did three seasons at Kettering. I think you were. I enjoyed every one of them. They were real. That were a real good uh, experience. To be fair, mm. there's some good. There's some good clubs, isn't there? In uh, kind of non-league Brilliant. levels, I think it's been a real eye opener for for us as fans over the last five seasons. Yeah, yeah. And actually, it's yeah. it's been it's not all been good fun. It's quite good fun now. But looking back at it, you kind of get to um, get to learn a lot more about different clubs and and, yeah, things yeah. Like that and have a lot more respect for the. Different, how, they, how they operate yeah I mean there's some clubs in, I mean a pal of mine's down here at Altingham Phil Parkinson what a fantastic job Park yeah, done yeah. at Altingham yeah fantastic on, on less far less resources than the majority in that league hmm. so there's always people who punch above the weight and you know doing well and uh, gaining success but it's a difficult I'll tell you it was a difficult league to play in and compete in and even now I know we're doing well and we're top it's a bloody difficult league to get out yeah, of yeah Oh. <laughs> it's yeah, an absolute it nightmare to get nightmare. out. Let's hope we crack it this season. Yeah, is the do you think it'll ever change in that kind of two or like a three up, three down or something like that? Are, the, are everyone always going to protect themselves a little bit in in League Two? I think they were always being they were allowed to protect themselves. I think there's more pressure coming now from owners in the conference who are uh, wealthy people. Um, wanting to push their clubs forward, and I mean, you've seen our Wrexham gone, and you've seen our North County's gone. There's always clubs that's come out of the conference, gone into the football league, and gone up again. Mm. So it shows you the strength of the clubs that's in that division. To be fair, yeah, I've always thought it's it a shame that that clubs like Chesterfield and Notts County and Wrexham have to kind of really show a bit of financial clout to, to get out of there, and it means out. that clubs like a Bromley or, or yeah. a Boreham Wood or something like that don't actually just have that chance to build it. a good squad and then get into. Get no, into the football into league. some sort of position. But then again, you look at the two managers of them two clubs who have mm. had some dealings with over long players. What a good job that two have done. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a, it's a hell of an achievement to do what Bromley's doing and Boren would have done and people like that. Yeah. Not yeah. But getting out, getting out is definitely a, it's tough, isn't it? It's tough. Mm. I mean, I sat, I went to the playoff final at Wembley, sat with John Howard, who works with me at Derby. Yeah. yeah. And like we were sat there and like we were jumping up and down. When we were in front, and then deflated when we went equalised, and deflated even more when we got beat. And like, just want the team to, do, we just want the team to do well again, and the club to get back in the football league. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great. So, so you ended up having uh, playing for kind of quite a few teams after Kettering. Was it like teams like Buxton, yeah, Hyde, Macclesfield, yeah. teams like that? Yeah, I yeah, uh, I lived in Stoke-on-Trent to be fair, and uh, I signed for Buxton, which mm. is twenty-five mile over the hill, isn't it? Uh, and there's a theme running through this because the manager got the sack after about six games. <clears throat> and the chairman came to me and he said, will you run the team for 
I think I was 27, I think. She said, would you run the team to the t- for the time being until we get someone in? She says, you're the most experienced player here. Yeah, okay. I'll try, you know, we'll give it a go. And the Northern, they were in the Northern Premier League, but there's only one Northern Premier League. There's about five or six regional Northern Premier Leagues now, but there's one Northern Premier League. And again, Whitten Albion, uh, I think Neil was at Gainsborough. Neil mm. Warner was managing yeah. Gainsborough. Yeah. It might have been Burton at the time, I'm not sure. So there were some good clubs, good teams, good players, good managers in that division. So I, I did it for three games. I think we won two and drawn one. And he came up to me and he said, we'd like to offer you the job. <laughs> right, okay. So I accepted it because I thought, well, oh, it's gone all right, three or four games. I knew the lads. I'd got a few contacts for bringing one or two players in. I accepted the job. And boy, oh boy, well, that a tough job and downhill from there on. But it was a great learning curve because I yeah. had to deal with board of directors. I had to pick a team. I had to balance the budgets. I had to coach. I had to play. I had to sign some players, move some players on. Um, fantastic experience, but it was a tough gig, that. It was a tough gig. Tough yes. Gig. It sounds like in terms of your transition then from being a, a footballer into uh, kind of Coaching, scouting, management, everything else was just kind of throw you into it. Just get, you just got to learn on your feet. Yeah, yeah, get on with it. Yeah, you can do as many courses as you want, but until you've been at Coalface, you hmm. you can't learn, can you? you? Can't learn. Yeah, and and all those connections, I guess, that you'll have made in all of those clubs and earlier on in your career, I, I suppose, as 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 you've gone on through the years, do those kind of um, come up again every now and then, like people like Neil Warnock yeah. and and people yeah. like that, I suppose. Yeah, I um, when I went for an interview with the Cardiff job, I went to meet I went to meet Neil in Birmingham the night before they played Aston Villa. It was about I think it was about six or seven weeks before he after he got the job at Cardiff. Um, and not I went to see him and he's in his hotel suite room upstairs and I knocked on the door and I went, come in sons come in sons we sat down we talked about every Chesterfield player who's played for Chesterfield we played we talked about all non-league players that we'd managed coach and played against and after about an hour he went. Well, do you want the job or not then? <laughs> and we'd not talked about the job or finances or anything like that. But he's uh, he's one of them. Neil's one of them that if you have an hour in his company, mm. you just want to get back outside, put your boots on, and go and play football. Yeah, he's that he's that enthusiastic and infectious. And I had I think I had thirty three months at Cardiff. I left about eight six weeks after he left. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. I can imagine. You can just hear from from him talking about the game. You know, it just makes you want. Yeah. Yeah, so passionate, so knowledgeable, so passionate, so ruthless. Everything about him, he's, he's, he's just, he was brilliant with me. He was brilliant with me. Yeah. So you've obviously had a long, uh, you had, had quite a few clubs as kind of bit of management. Newcastle Town, was it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 94 to 99, Congleton, like you mentioned, yeah. a bit of Macclesfield as well. Yeah, that was a great experience, Newcastle, because I'd finished playing there. I was about 36, I think. And uh, I started helping out coaching, and then they offered me the job. Hmm. Um, and we had we had some good players from in and around the potteries, and we had a bit of success. We got to the first round of the FA Cup against Notts County, which we played at the old Stoke Stadium, Victoria Ground, mm-hmm. before the booth and before the new one was built. And we played there on a Sunday dinner. I think we got about five thousand in. To be fair, uh, and when I. I I look back at some of the players who played for Notts County. Chris Wilder was captain of Notts County. Steve Finan, who went on to Liverpool, was mm. playing on at right back. Uh, Colin Murphy was manager, so they were a proper football club. Um, and we had some, you know, we had some good, good times in non-league football. I really enjoyed non-league football. I mm. really enjoyed it. To be fair, people might have 
poo-pooed it or turned the nose up at it. But I loved it. Hyde United was a good club I, I, until we had AstroTurf. We had an AstroTurf pitch, which put me completely on football altogether because um, it was the first AstroTurf. You know, the hard stuff, which was just like yeah. a carpet laid on concrete. That was horrendous. That was Everybody thought it was brilliant, but I thought it was bloody awful and left. Um, so, yeah, I'd managed, I went to manage Newcastle, Hyde for a, a short spell, um, Congleton, which was just down the road from where I lived in Stoke, was good. And then I, I was offered a full-time job at Fulham, so I had to leave the Congleton job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really enjoyed my non-league football. I met some great contacts, uh, managers and coaches who, yeah, I still speak to some of them today. One or two ring you up and say, well, there's a left winger at such and such a club, there's a right back at such and such a club. Have you seen him? And It's invaluable, that knowledge. Scouting then? When when did that kind of start? Can you remember the first time someone yeah, said? Yeah, I can. I can. <laughs> I, I I actually I fell into it actually, and it was a it was a strange way. I'd lost that job at Newcastle Town. I got the sack there, and I got a message off the secretary saying Arthur Cox has rang you. Hmm. Right, give him a ring. So he left me his number. So I rang him, and he said, "What are you going to do?" I says, "And the reason Arthur rang me, to be fair, is because while I was manager of Newcastle, Stoke City drew drew Newcastle United." in one of the Cups, Carabao Cup or Carling Cup, whatever they called it that day. So Arthur and Kevin brought Newcastle United to train on Newcastle Town's pitch on the morning of the game. And we were supposed to keep it quiet. There was about 2,000 people turned up because Ginola was on the pitch, <laughs> Florian Albert was on the pitch, Rob Lee, uh, Les Ferdinand, all that terrific Newcastle team what mm. Kevin had were training on a non-league pitch in Stoke-on-Trent before they played at night. So I'd spoke to Arthur and he said, what are you going to do? I says, well, I'll just have to wait while an opportunity crops up somewhere, either in Cheshire, Staffordshire, Derbyshire, somewhere, somewhere where I can get back in. So he says to me, do you want to watch a few games for us? He was at Fulham with Kevin. I went, what do you mean, watch a few games? He says, as blunt as you were, he says, watch a few games like I've just said. <laughs> so I says, yeah, but what do you want me to do? He says, watch a few games like I've said. Right, so he says, "I'll tell you, I'll put you some tickets on it. Games, you go to games, and um, you tell me what you see. I'll tell you some players to look at or which teams to look at, things like that." So after about six weeks, Arthur's idea of a couple of games a week was probably seven in a week. <laughs> right, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, maybe one on a Sunday, Monday night, Tuesdays. So he would ring me up, and say, "Can you go to Bolton tonight? Yeah. Can you go to Leeds tomorrow? Yeah." Can you go to Liverpool Reserves Thursday night? Yeah. Can you go here on Friday? Yeah. So I fell into it, really, but mm. began to think I enjoyed it. I would have still rather managed or coached, don't get me wrong, but I quite enjoyed it. Mm. Um, you, went to, you went to good stadiums, saw good games, and then he used to ring me in the morning and say, how did such and such play? Or what was he like? Or what did he do? That type of thing. Mm. And I just have conversations with him. They actually bought me a fax phone to put in the house so I could fax the reports off and little bits of notes and team sheets and things like that. So I quite enjoyed it, actually. Mm. And then I think, it, I can't remember how long I'd been doing it on a part-time role, but Arthur and Kevin left to go to England. And they appointed a new John, uh, a chief scout from within, um, a lad called John Marshall, who I got on fantastically well, was a great fella. He got a chief scout's job full-time and he rang me up and he said, I'll meet you tonight at Walsall. And he offered me a full-time job um, at, at Fulham, obviously. We'd gone up into Champ 
I think we'd gone up into the Championship from League One with Kevin. So we were in the Championship. So obviously I, I couldn't turn it down. It was a fantastic opportunity to go full-time at a club like that. Um, I had six years there altogether. After Kevin was Paul Bracewell for a short spell. And then it was Jean Tigana mm-hmm. from France, the French international. Yeah, and there's lots of French players that... Oh, yeah. Steve Malbronk and... Malbronk. Uh, People like that. Uh, yeah. Saha. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I walked into training ground one morning when I'd gone down for two or three days and uh, Edwin van der Sar rolled in. Edwin van der Sar turned up and you're watching him ping balls about on pitch. I actually thought he were a midfield player. His feet were that good. <laughs> he, I actually thought he could have been a midfield player. So yeah, I had six good years at Fulham. I enjoyed it. I uh, went from watching younger players to start with, to doing team assessments for the first team, to looking at players who they were going to sign, to to the point that I would go out to Seville on a Tuesday night to watch a game, and, uh, or out to Denmark or, or into Belgium and Holland in the week for two or three games in a week. So mm-hmm. unbelievable opportunity, fantastic experience, and really enjoyed it. Yeah. So how did you kind of, how did you kind of start with it? Or what? How did you know what to what you'd be reporting on and what notes to write and stuff like that. Was it just kind of... I didn't. I learned it as I went on. (laughs) Arthur used to say to me, go and look at this player and tell me how he does. Go and look at these two players and tell me how they do. So I sort of had to formulate what you needed to say and speak about. I mean, I look back now at some of the things I said at first, I think, oh my God, how did they keep you on? Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Because obviously it's moved on now 25 years. Everything's technology and laptop and scouting platforms and things like that. Um, but I, I got through it. I enjoyed it. I couldn't I couldn't do enough. And if, if they didn't give me a game on a Tuesday somewhere, I'd ring them up and ask for one. You know, you just, just wanted to go to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, go on, sorry. I was just going to say, did you get used to people? Did you have the the the, the club coat on and things like nah, that at the time? Did you get I people looking over? I never did that 25 <laughs> years ago, and I don't do it now. I don't know it now. But what it, what it did work for is... It, you'll go in a little room for a cup of tea before a game, right, at, at most clubs. Mm-hmm. And when I first started, I would see Ronnie Moore from Rotherham at Stockport on a Monday night or at Tranmere or at Rochdale, places like that. And I would see I'd see Ronnie quite regularly. And I'd see David Moyes and Alan Irvine and Jimmy Lumsden from Preston before they got the Everton job. And I'd see Dario from Crew, And I'd see loads of different managers and coaches. And once they've seen you five, six, seven, eight weeks and they've seen you and you have a cup of tea with them, then they start, all right, how are you? Where did you go Saturday? What was the left back like at Lincoln? And what's he like at at Rochdale? And have you seen him at Workington? Blah, blah, blah. And you start to build that network up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I bumped into Alan Irvine at Man City Sheffield United the other day. Um, Saturday, Sunday, whenever it were. Mm -hmm. Still talk about getting off your backside and looking for players. Because I'm a firm believer you can look at the computer all day. But until you see players at Coalface and you see what they like and you see what they like when they're 2-0 down or 1-0 up or got a yellow card or got hooked off or had a roasting from the dugout, um, you don't find out about players until you see them with your eyes. So I suppose, like you say, you're building that network. Yeah. Do you then end up thinking, well, you know, a club I'm working for aren't going to take on that player, so... But I really like the look of that pay. You end up yeah. kind of offering your recommendations out. Yeah, others. it happens all the time. Mm. It, your job is to go out. Well, first of all, you work closely with the manager. And I, I'm always of the opinion that the manager is the most important man in the football club. 
I know we've got fancy titles nowadays of elite technical this and lead something else and something else, something else. The manager picks the players. The manager coaches the players generally. The manager carries the can if the results aren't right. The manager should be deciding who we're signing. All right, he takes information off scouts and coaches and things like that. But I, the last, especially in the last probably seven or eight years, I've re, I realised through experience, you get close to the manager, hmm. right? So I knew what Sean were looking for at Burnley. I know what type of player Neil wanted. I know what type of players Paul Warren wants now at Derby. Hmm. Um, and you just have discussions about players all the time. I, I, we did it yesterday. I was in yesterday and we're talking about, because the transfer window's on, which players have we seen in the last six months, 12 months, 18 months, two years, are they available? Can we get them? Can we afford them? Do they want to come? Do they fit into what we do? Do they fit into the way we play? Will they be good in the dressing room? Because certainly Sean, Neil and Paul, at the last three clubs I've been at, would lose 10% ability for the right character in the dressing room. Yeah, yeah. Recommendations? I've put some people in who I thought, well, why aren't you signing him? And then they've gone on to be really outstanding signings at other clubs. I've hammered the drum for other people and they've been absolute failures. Can't get them all right. It's impossible to get them all right. It's impossible. Anybody forget, tells you to get them all right. Forget those ones. Forget those yeah. ones that you got it yeah. a bit wrong. Remember yeah. ones. Are the players you remember being really, really excited about when you first saw them? There was quite a few in non-league when I first started because when I was at Crew, we used to be looking for non-league players. Mm. Uh, even though we were in the championship, they produced their own players and boost the squad with signings that they could afford, but basically looking for some young young players who they could polish and sell, which is the way crew have operated for the last 30, 40 years. Um, there was a boy called Tom Pope who we took from Congleton Town for something like 12 balls and eight tracksuits, and he's gone on and he went on and had a good career and scored in lower league football. Oh, yeah. What a beast took, player he's been. Yeah, we took uh, Luke Varney from a team called Quorn in Leicestershire mm-hmm. and sold him to Charlton for two million quid. We sold, uh, uh, we signed, I signed a lad at Macclesfield called Tyrone Barnett from Hensford United. Yeah. We couldn't actually afford him. He actually, he actually dropped in wages to go pro because <laughs> <laughs> he had a full time job and played for Hensford. And we, we, we got him to come to Macclesfield. We sold him to Crawley for 150 grand. And then he went on for a million quid to Peterborough and things like that. So when I look at signings, I never put it down to me. I've always part, worked as head of or part of a recruitment team. So it's not one person who gets it right, one gets it wrong. We, are, we all work together. Mm. We all yeah. work together. Yeah. yeah, there's been one or two I've dropped clangers on, no doubt. Missed <laughs> out on. I always wanted Fulham to take Dean Ashton mm-hmm. when he first got into the crew uh, team. I wanted him to take Tim Cahill from Millwall. Yeah. I wanted him to take Stephen Reid from Millwall when Stephen first burst onto the scene at Millwall. But if they sign people like Malbrank and uh, Van der Sar and Saha and people like that, mm. can't really argue, can you? I suppose not. No. And you've you've can't worked really with argue. you've worked with a bunch of. Really great clubs like Fulham, like I said, uh, yeah. Crew, Burton, Swansea, Doncaster, Burnley, yeah, Cardiff, Blackburn. Like I say now at Derby, I didn't um, always want to leave them clubs. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Is it quite a? I was going to mention. Is it quite a precarious role sometimes? Because it's about your relationship sometimes, like you mentioned, with managers with and manager. getting to know what those yeah. managers want, and then they can have yeah. one manager in on Monday and another one in on 
Tuesday, Friday. and there can yeah. be one in completely different character, wanting a completely different type yeah. of player. Does that? Do yeah. you have well, to adapt quite quickly when that changes? Happen quite a lot. Well, you either have to adapt or you leave, and mm. that's why the clubs are in such a mess. At sometimes, I think because they chop and change that often and too quickly. Um, that nobody can put plans in place, can they? Like mm. having six months at it or 15 games is what's happened this week. It's an impossible. It's an impossibility. They've all been different. They've all been different, the clubs that I've worked at. All the managers have been different in a roundabout, round, say, roundabout way. Mm-hmm. I know, as mentioned before, the last three or four managers are all massive on character. Massive on character. Um, Tony Mowbray at Blackburn loved his football and skillful players with good character. Mm-hmm. Neil liked people who could get about the pitch and compete and cro- get crosses in and score goals. He, he was a fan, really, Neil. He's a fan. Yeah, yeah. Hell of a manager, hell of a motivator, hell of a man manager. But basically, he's a fan who like wants good football in front of him. Mm. Different players all the time. Um, Paul's the same at Derby. Wants his players who can get around the pitch, be strong, competitive, but can play when need to play. So it's uh, it's always been challenging, so, you know, so to say, at different clubs. Um, some clubs that we've had no money. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had no money at Macclesfield. There's very little at Burton. Some clubs were able to spend money at Cardiff, like when we won the uh, we runners-up in the Championship to get in the Premiership. So mm-hmm. we were able to, there's more money, therefore bigger salaries, better players. Mm-hmm. So you've always got to adapt somewhere. Precarious, yeah, it is because clubs clubs change hands. Clubs are changing hands quite often. Clubs change HR teams and chief executives who's making decisions on people's futures nowadays more than ever. Um, so yeah, it's always, it's always been precarious. It's yeah. Always been precarious. You just have to hope that you've done enough to warrant another opportunity somewhere. Like I, when I've talked to Paul Cook ages ago now but when he first went into Ipswich he talked about how there was no recruitment room yeah. at all when he went yeah. in it, yeah. it, does that need to be I mean it, it seems like an obvious thing that a, a recruitment room should be kind of a consistent at a football club yeah. uh, and not something that's ripped up and, and, and no. torn apart every, every now and then No, is it, is it getting better in that regards or is it still as yeah always, it is it is I mean the recruitment rooms now are full of computers, full of video analysis, full of televisions on wall, looking at looking at players all week long. Mm. Um, yeah, um, what do you say? They're all. I think they're all a little bit different. I mean, when I, used to, I, the only thing Neil wanted to know when I'd been to see some players is, does he go in my team? Does he make my team better? That's all he wanted to know. Right. I'd been looking at some players six months before we signed them, 12 months before we signed them. I knew about them 18 months or 24 months before we signed them. But we were unable to sign them because we didn't have the finance or we weren't at the level that they could play at. So, yeah, it throws throws problems up. And it's, it's more difficult to sign players today because there's more layers to get through now to sign a player. Agents, players, uh, clubs, chief execs, finance, sell-ons, buyout clauses, bonuses. It, it, te- it took me 20 minutes to sign for Chesterfield. I think it can take two weeks to sign a player now. <laughs> I can say, you don't want an agent like uh, like Andy Dallas is <laughs> sending yeah. him around every every club oh, in yeah, the country, no, it yeah, seemed yeah, at the yeah, time yeah. of that one. We have to put we have to put up with that quite a bit, to be fair. I, I imagine you do. I imagine you've had some interesting <laughs> dealings with agents. Yeah. Not for today, that one. Not <laughs> no, for today. We'll leave that one. Um, 
So looking back then, we're kind of getting near the end, but looking back at your career then, so you've obviously had had a great opportunity to play for your hometown club, um, yeah. which is great. Um, and then you've had that good kind of uh, non-league career and a bit of management and then this yeah, yeah. huge yeah. kind of scouting role. You must be, you must look back quite proud on how it's kind of gone. You've managed to stay in the game stay and, in it. Um, and kind of still be doing this. Yeah, now, then, yeah. Well, when you, I, th- I think like when you're growing up, we all want to play football. We all want to be footballers, don't you? Mm. And we all want to play for Manchester United, Liverpool, or Arsenal. I don't think we ever thought about playing for Halifax or Chesterfield or Kettering in town. But yeah. you find your level, don't you? Mm. In all honesty, you've got to be you've got to be realistic. You, you find your level. I think, yeah, one of the my favourite thing is obviously is making my debut for my hometown club after mm. watching them and and going to support them and things like that. I was proud as punch to do that. Yeah. Um, did I get to the levels I wanted to? No. Playing at the levels? No, I didn't. Did I coach at the levels I wanted to? No. Did I manage at the levels I wanted to? No. Scouting like I've worked at some real good clubs. Um, so yeah, I'm quite I'm quite happy with what I've done. Um, I'm 66. I don't want to retire. I want to keep going. I enjoy going to Morecambe versus Harrogate last week. I enjoy going to Accrington versus Walsall the week before. Um, if you don't enjoy it and love what you're doing, you may as well pack it anyway. Mm. Yeah, completely. Yeah. So, so you're now at, at Derby. Uh, yeah. Obviously, uh, local Chesterfield still come to quite a lot of Chesterfield matches as well. I've not I been to as many. Them. I've been to two this season, to be fair, but that weren't scouting. That was just because I want to go and watch and see how we're doing. And yeah. we actually played. I think we played it. We played Chesterfield in pre-season, didn't we? we played a pre-season yeah. game. Yeah. Start of the season. Yeah, so okay. I've been to two league games this season, um, and I saw us at Altingham because I, I, I live in Stockport now, so it's only like five miles down the road from where I am. Um, I do myself and John. I would do like to get to the as many games as we can, but it's not always possible. We've been out at other games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Grig Naylor, um, Colclough, who I work with at Crew. To be fair, um, mm. good players, good players, good players in League One. Yeah, yeah. League Two. So there's no one they're doing well, but say, let's hope we just get it done this season and get back up and get back into the league. 